you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. of you. Now, are you ready for the preach word of God tonight? We are so honored that Bishop and Sister White would make the trip all the way from Texas to be with us. They have many other things to do and many other places to go, and he certainly is not looking for a pulpit, but he so, so graciously received our invitation and is with us tonight. What a marvelous touch from the Lord we we received last night. And I believe God is going to reign in this house tonight. One more time, would you put your hands together and welcome from Silsby, Texas, Bishop Doug White. We love you, sir. Preach your heart to us tonight. Don't you love Brother Jordan? I have so tremendously enjoyed myself the last few days. I do feel like maybe they abuse me a little bit. I uh, decided I'd go eat with them last night when church was over. Uh, Jacob's kept me there till 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I was really quiet the whole time, didn't hardly ever talk. some valuable lessons there. I told them today one of the most valuable lessons that I learned is when you leave at 3.30 and you go into a city at 4 o'clock in the morning and you think, I'm hungry, hungry, hungry is a Texas word. I didn't say hungry. When you're hungry, get on back to church. When you're hungry, you'll chew the hind leg off a standing round leg. I was hungry. And I decided at <laughs> 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm looking for something to eat, and found a place called White Castle. You know 
just from the sound of things, I don't have to say nothing else. It's amazing how God healed me of my stupidity. And uh, then today, we went out to eat again. We got to talking. I was pretty quiet on my end of the table. Most of noise, and, and uh, finally, I, it was so bad. I was a few minutes late getting to church today. I felt so bad, but I told God, "Just lay it to their charge, God. I didn't have nothing to do with it." <clears throat> Good to be with everybody tonight, and all the saints of the Most High. I'm so thankful that there's a church in Frankfurt that loves God, loves truth, and loves what's happening. All of the ministry that's in the room, some of you, I think I know, I'm just not sure. Others, like Brother John Reading, I done knowed him. I've been knowing him since he was about the size of this little joke while shaking his hand up here in front tonight. God's been good to me throughout the years. My path has crossed with a lot of precious people. I'm thankful tonight the opportunity this week to add Brother Phil Jordan to that list. I love his spirit. I love what he has to offer to the kingdom. You're blessed. Indiana's blessed to have preachers just like that. Why don't you do something for me right now? Turn and tell somebody, don't forget. Ah, come on now, tell them don't forget. Here, you, you ain't doing it right. To really do it right tonight, you got to kind of get an attitude. I'm not saying every woman in the world's like this, but I'm married to a woman like this. She'll tell me something and she'll just kind of stare at me. I'm glad to have my beautiful wife with me. But when something, when she's serious about it, I think every possessed, every woman on the face of the earth, when they get that thing happening, when they're serious, they go, oh, we are going to talk about this. You ought to get you an attitude tonight, turn to somebody else with an attitude and say, don't forget. I turn in the word of the Lord tonight the irrefutable, unstoppable word of God according to the book of Exodus, the 28th division and the 29th verse. The Bible said, And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of the judgment upon his heart. He goeth in unto the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim 
shalt be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth before the Lord. The Urim, that's how they would pronounce it, the Tumim. Here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to preach from this subject. Don't forget the Urim. Tell somebody, don't forget the Urim. Clap your hands to the Lord and love him. you, you may be seated. Let's talk tonight about the will of God. It's that divine plan that reveals God's intended path before us. The will of God is that thing that could unfold the mystery of our own destiny. Let's talk about the will of God. It's that place every spiritually sincere soul desires to reside. It's that thing that carnal souls say they want but can never have. Can we talk about the will of God tonight? It's the most asked question that hungry ministers ask me as I travel and do ministers' conferences, and it's the least known element that can be found among passionless ministries. Let's talk about the will of God. It's the thing that keeps a hurting pastor in the midst of the battle. And it's the thing that causes others to pull up stakes and go to a mission field overseas where they've never been before. I've come to preach to you right now about the will of God. It's the thing that people weep on an altar of solitude to find. And it's that thing that people go to meetings just like this, hoping to uncover. And to those here who wonder about the will of God for your own life, I would boldly declare to you in this sanctuary that if your ministry is going to survive, if your calling is going to remain intact, if your anointing is going to stay fresh, if your salvation is going to be victorious, if your gifting is going to be fruitful, if your burden is going to be fulfilled, if your willingness is going to be effective, you need the will of God. It seems that from the very fall of mankind, the ultimate question that permeates the atmosphere around humanity is simply how do I know the will of God? I've come tonight to preach about the often hidden and sometimes haunting will of God. The righteous seek to find it, and the unrighteous try to avoid it. The pure seek to possess it, 
and the profane try to ignore it. Those with integrity crave it. Those who are different, indifferent, are careless with it. Those with spiritual purpose desire it. But those with fleshly hearts deny it. How do you know the will of God? The search through the sacred scriptures reveals that through the ages there was various ways for us to know the will of God. And it would be manifest in the lives of people. For instance, sometimes the will of God was revealed by God's confirmation alone. This is the way that all of us in this building would like for God to reveal his will to us. Tell us, God, just speak a word, Father, and we'll do it. That'll be the answer. But sometimes the confirmation just don't what about the scribes? They were the ones who specialized in recording holy writ and were generally regarded as the authorities on any passage pertaining to the will of God for your life. If direction is written down somewhere, that settles the issue. Just show me. That was their mentality. But alas, sometimes the scribes were silent on what the will of God really was. Then there were the prophets. Surely, if God would send a prophet to speak the divine will of God for my life, I'd have the answer. All it would take is a heavenly word poured through the lips of a prophet and the will of God would be established in my world. But my brothers and sisters, sometimes the prophets never spoke a word. Surely I can get the will of God through the, the priest. They're the ones positioned by God to look over our soul and surely my man of God can unfold the will of God for my life. But I have to tell somebody in the building that sometimes even your man of God doesn't have the answer to God's will for your world. Then there were fleeces. At times in desperation, people would use fleeces like they did in the word of God where they'd lay out uh, a lamb's coat on the ground. And if it's wet, it means this. And if it's dry, it means that. It was simply saying if this happens, it is the will of God. And if that happens, then it's not the will of God. But sometimes fleeces were questionable and easily taken advantage of surely Surely among the many ways to find the will of God throughout the Bible, we've all come to realize 
folks in this house today, sometimes the confirmation doesn't come. Sometimes the scribes aren't going to etch the answers. Sometimes the prophets are not going to speak the word. Sometimes the man of God can't discern it. Sometimes the fleeces fail to reveal it. But this much I know if you are sincere about doing something for God, everybody in the building wants to know the will of God. As long as I've been around the kingdom of God, I've watched people come to meetings just like this with one hope in mind. I just want the will of God. 30, almost 36 years ago, I went to a meeting. I sat on the back row as a full-time evangelist. I didn't want anybody to know I was even in the building, but I had the opportunity to go pastor that church, and there was another church that wanted me at the same time, and I couldn't find the answer. I couldn't feel what direction, but I sat there on the back row of that church and said, Jesus, if you just give me an answer, I promise you I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. There's nothing, God, that I won't sacrifice for you. And suddenly the, the service come to an end. And, and they were dismissing the service. Uh, when all of a sudden as we were praying our dismissal prayer, I heard somebody scream. And I looked up and the speaker was running on the back of the pews and stopped in front of me and said, Brother White, I've been looking all over this building for you. God told me you were going to be here tonight. And God said, your answer is in the south. Set in services just like this. And I've got up and walked out. Nobody said, Thus saith the word of the Lord. Nobody said, God gave me a vision. Nobody said, Listen, you need to hear me preach to you today. I've came to meetings like this my entire life since I've been living for God. I've preached meetings like this all over the world. And whether it's verbally spoken or not, every time I walk to a pulpit, I feel the weight of somebody saying, give me the will of God. Tell me what it's going to take. Tell me what I need to do. But since you're here, before you give up that righteous pursuit of the will of God, let me remind you that there was a 
another way that God's people utilize to find the will of God. In fact, this other way to find the will of God appears to be the one that was used when every other method failed to work. When God instituted the office of the ministry, he commanded that certain garments be prepared for those in priesthood to wear. Among those garments was a breastplate with 12 different stones on the breastplate, one for each of the tribes of God's people that symbolized the burden of God's people that was supposed to be on the heart of the man of God continually. But it's important to realize that as he bore the weight and the responsibility of wearing that breastplate, as he felt the heaviness of God's people, it's important to know that behind that breastplate, between his heart and the church that those stones represented, there was a pouch that held two stones. They were called the Urim and the Tumim. They were intentionally positioned close to the preacher's heart and were used almost as a last resort to help the man of God determine what the will of God was for God's people. And even given those rare scriptures where the Bible does speak about the Urim and the Tumim, the Urim and the Tumim have remained largely a mysterious element Etymologically, the meaning of the word Urim and Tumim were unknown and obscure to the early translators of the Bible. And through time, the Urim and the Tumim were defined in various ways as their languages and understanding of languages evolved in one place. The Urim and the Tumim were translated as the doctrina and the veritas, meaning that the Urim was the unmovable doctrine and the Tumim was the fulfillment of truth. In another place, the Urim and the Tumim was called the lights and the perfections, meaning that the Urim was the source of the light and the Tumim was the maturity revealed. While the Urim and the Tumim was an extremely important factor in determining the will of God, it could somewhat be a misunderstood factor. The opinions of modern theologians vary on just how the Urim and the Tumim worked. There are some that thought the Urim and the Tumim were like dice. And if you wanted to know the will of God, you'd throw the dice and leave it to chance to tell you the will of God. But more clarity about the Urim and the Tumim was how it worked is seen when you understand that Urim is connected to a root word that means to give an a visible, oracular response. The word a 
oracular means that this urim and this tumim was a visibly, supernaturally empowered oracle that was sent from God to settle the issue. Understand that when the urim and the tumim was used, it became a visible, supernatural oracle, just as undeniable as any oracle God would send to minister to his people. Bear with me, my throat's going quick. Throughout scripture, when God sent oracles, they were sent to provide sure answers to God's will. They were sent to erase any question about God's will. It was sent to take all chance out of the equation as it pertained to God's will. Let me talk to you about an oracular manifestation. God used angels as visible supernatural oracles to expose God's divine plan to the people. God used a talking donkey as a visible supernatural oracle to warn a backslidden preacher. God used prophets as a visible supernatural oracle to utter prophecies and erase all the questions. Therefore, if God's prophet had marched into your midst and poured out a prophetic utterance. And for that reason, whatever happened with the Urim and the Tumim was a visible manifestation that erased every question about God's will. Hear me in this house today. God's will was divinely settled by what you saw with the Urim. how it happened. Many rabbis believe it connects back to the description of the Urim and the Tumim. Remember, it was the doctrina and the veritas. It was the unmovable doctrine and the fulfillment of truth. It was the light and it was the perfection. It was the source of light. It was the maturity revealed. Most rabbis believe that in those rare occasions where the Urim and the Tumim had to be used, the man of God takes them out of the power of the issuing question.
supernaturally reflect through the Urim, and it would shine across to the Tumim, and it would cause the Tumim to light up for the world to see. It would supernaturally illuminate the Tumim. Hear me well. As long as they were in alignment, the Urim and the Tumim were invaluable, but they had to be in alignment. They had with me that it was the Urim that made the Tumim glow. <laughs> Without the Urim, the Tumim was just useless. To put it in our vernacular today, as dynamic as they were together, the Tumim was useless if they lost the Urim. The Veritas was useless if they had no doctrine. The, the, there was no fulfillment of truth without a, an unmovable doctrine. The perfection, the maturity was useless without the light. There was no maturity to be revealed if the source of light was not being reflected. Together. They were dynamic. But the two mean without the Urim, Jonah was useless to God. The importance of this is reiterated when you study the scripture. Sister Jordan, many times you'll see throughout scripture the Urim was being used without the Tumim, but never in the entirety of your Bible will you see the Tumim being mentioned without the Urim. Hear me when I tell this precious gathering of people that as a man of God in this house tonight, I want the will of God for everybody in this building. I've been sent to look for those who desire the will of God and tell you that when your maturity is aligned with your doctrine, you will have a supernaturally dynamic will of God in your life. But the instant that you lose the Urim, the supernatural element is no longer a factor. The instant the doctrine disappears, any claims of spiritual maturity or being in the will of God means absolutely nothing. I've got an idea tonight. I dare you to shout, don't forget the Urim. Don't forget the doctrine. Oh, yeah. Are you listening to me tonight? 
You've got to hold on to what makes this apostolic church work. You've got to hold on to what makes this apostolic church dynamic. My first task in this house today is to tell God's church, don't forget the Urim. Child of God in modern history, we have never faced the tedious spiritual challenges that surround us right now. We face issues with the potential to leave God's people scratching their heads and wondering if the will of God is even worth it. We've seen things like COVID shutting down churches. Uh, we've seen fear create unfaithfulness. We've seen the church at an altar being replaced by a three-inch screen and a lazy boy. We've watched in horror as the Antichrist uh, has set the stage to be revealed. We're seeing governmental persecution towards churches demanding that we accept perversion as a normal thing. Let me tell you what else I'm seeing. As I minister around the world, there's something else that stands at the forefront, Brother Jordan. I'm seeing a greater potential for apostolic revival than we've ever seen in all of our life. I'm seeing cities that I've preached at for years, environments that were locked up and spiritually oppressive. All of a sudden, the miraculous has broke out in those churches and God's doing supernatural things. I'm going to places where heaviness ruled and reigned, but I'm seeing for the first time in all of my history with some of those churches that heaviness has been banished and now the glory of God resides. I'm seeing more souls pray through. I'm seeing more miracles in my ministry. I'm seeing more anointing flow. I'm seeing more supernatural results than I've ever seen in my life. But it's not happening everywhere. Let me tell you where it is happening. It is happening. <laughs> the doctrine is still important. It is happening. When people are cleaving to godly commitments, it's happening where holiness is being held high. It's happening where the word of God is still cherished. I'll tell you where it's happening. It happens where the Urim still matters. I need you to understand in this house today that real apostolic revival is the will of God. But the will of God will always be a reflection of the Urim, our unmovable doctrine. You're not pretty enough. You're not fancy enough. You're not smart enough. It's got to be a reflection of our unmovable doctrine. I want to tell you, 
I don't mean to offend you, but if I do, I could care less. I want to tell you where genuine apostolic revival is finally starting to show up where being apostolic means more than being accepted, where having purity means more than having programs, where having passion means more than having politics, where having convictions means more than having commendation. I've got a message for the state of Indiana. If you want real revival, don't forget the doctrine. Somebody listen to me today. I am so sick of hearing weak-kneed, fearful-minded, watered-down, lacy-drawered saints and preachers that spew out the dangerously disingenuous diatribe that claims I've matured beyond a need to live like that. Hold on a minute. Before you can claim maturity, you've got to have the urine. You better remember the two mean was useless without the urine. You've forgotten that there is no two mean without the urine. There is no fulfillment of truth without an unmovable doctrine. There is no maturity revealed without the source of light. Don't forget the urine. You want to have revival? Sometimes you got to get up and tell your church, we still believe there's only one God. He was the Father in creation. He was the Son in redemption. He was the Holy Ghost in regeneration. There is no mini Messiah. There is no Jehovah Junior. There is no almost almighty. Thank We still baptize in Jesus' name. There is none under name, under heaven, given among men. We believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You didn't talk in tongues, you didn't get the Holy Ghost. Brother White, I think I caught it when I believed on the Lord. I don't care if you believed on Adolf Hitler. That doesn't make you a Nazi. I'm going to tell you how you know you caught it. The Bible said, and suddenly there came a sound as of a Russian mighty wind, and it filled the Brother White, you shouldn't preach like that. I know. You're one of them jokers that step back and say, I don't need to worship, get beside myself either. I've got news for you. Real apostolics still know how to worship. They still.
They still know how to run the aisles. They still know how to dance. They still know how to leap for joy. I ain't run out of things to say. I'm just trying to think how to say it. You want real apostolic revival? I got an idea. Let the world know I still believe in holiness. I still believe you can't look like the world. You can't act like the world. You can't sound like the world. You can't. It's time to have a little fun. Some of y'all sitting there looking at me like you ain't never heard a lot like this in your life. You a line wonder. I'm telling you, if you're really an apostolic church, every now and then you're still going to hear holiness. You're still going to hear righteousness. You're still going to hear receiving the Holy Ghost. I dare you to get out of your pew and shake somebody and tell them, I still caught my urim. I still caught my urim. Hey, Walkerton, it is the will of God for us to walk in the supernatural, but nobody should have the supernatural more than those that hold the urim. Hey, are you going to help me? Nowhere should there be more of an illumination of the supernatural than in a church that still loves the truth. Hey, hey, hey. Brother Watch, you one of them old jerks, ain't you? Well, that all depends on what you mean by old jerk. <laughs> I don't be doing that. You start doing that, I'm going to preach. God have mercy. I need somebody in here to hear me. You say, Brother Watch, I just, we've matured beyond that. You're a lying wonder. You don't mature nowhere when you let go of doctrine. You don't. I'm all for the to me. I'm all for seeing the fulfillment of truth, but maturity revealed among us is going to be a result of the Urim. The Urim is useless without. I want everybody in this building to hear me, and I'm going on. The will of God for your life will never be separated from the doctrines of truth. Well, I feel like God wants me to do this. The will of God will never be separated from the doctrines of truth. If you want the will of God, you better love that book. You better love that book.
God said, my second task is to tell every apostolic minister, don't you forget who do you reign? Precious friends, you better hear me. All of us want our church. We are convinced that it is the will of God to have more, to see more, to accomplish more. But sometimes in our quest for more, we set our sights on the too many. And we forget the only thing that makes it possible is the Uriah. We got a problem in Sealsby right now. Besides my wife, we've got a problem in Sealsby. We got almost a new building. God has doubled our church in the last two years. We are at 89% full in a brand new church. We still have the mortgage. We still have the payments. We just don't have the room. I am not against crowing. I'm not against new buildings. Brother preacher, hear me. I'm not against good programs. But if you let go of the doctrine, nothing else you do is going to matter. Brother Reading, you want to know why we're seeing the revival we're seeing? We have spent the last year and a half reiterating how important our doctrine is, how important God's principles are, how important separation is, and we've got drug heads coming out of every corner. we got the best meth cooker in town in our church. How in the world does that happen, Brother Wally? Oh, that's simple. We've never let go of the Uriah. Who would it be all right if I preach a little bit? Any preacher whose focus is fixed on the results of your Tumim instead of the foundation of your Urim, you'll get so enamored with the results that you forget just how important your unwavering doctrine is. Uh, hear me today. You're going to focus on your programs and not your principles, your growth and not your godliness, your performance and not your purity, your impression and not your impacting, your comfort, your comfort and not your conversion, your sensationalism and not your salvation, your click track without your covenant, your online perception. Without overcoming power. I'm glad some of y'all seem to like me here tonight. You make my job a little bit easier. But I feel like I need to preach just a little bit more. That be all right with everybody? Let me, let me, let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'll give you an example. God help me now. Why? In the name of God, I'm seeing it happen more and more. Why in the name of God would anybody hire musicians that don't even believe this apostolic truth to lead a congregation that only survives because of this apostolic truth? Every time I see it, Without fail, I watch those churches start tumbling away from truth. It is not 
the will of God, Brother Kanata. I love you. You're mine. I'm going to talk to you. It is not the will of God. If it's got a manifestation without the doctrine, the tomb is not going to work without the urine. Hear me? Good music don't mean you're in the will of God. Good preaching don't mean you're in the will of God. Good programs don't mean you're in the will of God. Good crowds don't mean you're, you're not in the will of God until you. Until you cut good doctrine. You can't approach God's kingdom. This is the part my beautiful wife usually covers her eyes like she's praying. She don't want to see me fall out. I'm going to tell you everybody in this place, every singer, every musician, every leader in this house. You cannot approach God's kingdom with a performance mentality without seeing all spiritual progress come to a screeching halt. Can I tell you what I'm talking about? We all remember how David brought in the Ark of the Covenant symbolic of the glory of God into their city with dancing and sacrifices. But you better remember that was the second time David tried to bring the ark into their, the glory of God into their world. After seven decades of the ark of the covenant's absence on their first attempt, it had been so long since they had dealt with the glory of God that nobody thought, let's go back to God's word and see what God said. Their carnal mentality said, the Philistines put it on an ox cart to get results. Let's do like the Philistines and get results. You just because false doctrine doesn't, doesn't mean an apostolic is supposed to do it that way. I've been studying the Torah for about six years. I see stuff when I start delving into their mindsets, their language, that still blows my mind. Let me tell you about the first time they tried to bring the glory of God in. It said all Israel played before the Ark of the Covenant with all their might and was singing and with harps and with psalters and with timbrels and with cymbals and with trumpets according to the structure of this original language. It doesn't mean that they were worshiping God. Instead, the rabbis contend that when you understand their phrasing, it means as they tried to bring the glory in, they were using foolish amusement. They were flaunting their talent. They were providing entertainment. They were coordinating dances. They turned the sacred town to pursuing the will of God, the glory of God into a party environment. And that's why when the ox stumbled and Uzzah reached out to handle God's glory 
with carnal methods. He was smitten dead. Brothers and sisters, that was not just about Uzzah touching the ark. God was already upset that his people had resorted to talent without anointing, performance without purity, dance moves without righteous hearts, pitch perfect singing without holiness, entertainment that flaunted their flesh more than it exalted their God. And when they did call their attention to the glory of God back into their midst, tragedy ceased because their methods were not in alignment. If I can't get too mean to illuminate, I'll just wow them with my talent. If I can't get if I can't get the too mean to illuminate in front of the world, I'll just show them how we can choreograph our dancing and we can have good programs. Hear me today. You cannot entertain God with your human talents. Ironically, the second attempt at bringing God's glory into their world started with David saying, I need somebody. <laughs> I need somebody to go back. I need you to go back to God's word and tell us what God's word says about the glory coming in. And the Bible said this time they put it on the shoulders of a priest and it was so when they which bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces. He sacrificed oxen and fatlings and he danced before the Lord with all of his might and he was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark with shouting and the sound of a trumpet. Talk to the rabbis, they say that was a completely different thing because this time when it speaks of sacrifice and dancing before the Lord and shouting, it means they brought the glory of God into their world with a holy reverence, a righteous dignity, a pursuant focus on God, and all inspired adoration. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care what part of ministry you claim to be. You can be a preacher. You can be a pastor. You can be a singer. You can be a musician. But how you approach the glory of God still matters. Pursuing God instead of getting people's attention. Every musician hear me. It's not enough to play skillfully with a loud noise. What you play needs to honor God and not your talent. Every singer hear me. 
It's not enough to sing with pitch perfect uh, voices. What you sing should focus hearts on God and not your ability. Every preacher hear me. It's not enough to preach an eloquent sermon. What you preach should inspire a reverence for God and not just applause for you. I'll tell you what real ministers understand. Real ministers understand. It's not about the two men. Nothing else in my world is going to work right if I don't have the OVN in my life. If I lose, I got to quit. My heart's starting to twist up on me right now. When I came to God, I crawled out from behind a dumpster, had been living in my car. I didn't have anything. I didn't have nothing. I had no pedigree. I had nobody pushing me. But I found myself an altar, and I fell in love with truth. Everything that I am today is a result of the urine. It ain't the result of them good singers singing. It ain't the result of all them good preachers I heard. Everything I am today is by complete losing to God and to that man. If you've ever let go of the urine, I don't care what all God did for you. You've been a traitor to God's parish in absolute shame you let go of its truth. Lift your hands up in the Lord's spirit and right now begin to pray. In Jesus' name. Bubba, last night, you begin to ask me about the will of God and how you get that balance between operating in the Spirit and putting together sermons. It's the easiest thing in the world. I'm going to tell you how that happens. I love the operation of the devil. I love all that stuff, but there is nothing. to your will. You need to thank God for a preacher that still says right is still right, wrong is still wrong. If you're going to pursue the glory of God, click tracks can't replace conviction, programs can't replace power, instruments can't replace inspiration, online can't replace outpouring, cameras can't replace covenants. I don't care how talented you are, how organized you are, how structured your church is, there is no maturity.
things are good enough to usher in God's glory. He's got a celestial choir. He's got a heavenly orchestra. He's got a solar system full of planets dancing and spinning. He's got melodious rhythms of crashing waves from a crystal sea. He's got the brilliance of God's light dancing off the streets of coal. That means you can't impress him. You can't provide him enough entertainment. You can't flaunt enough talent. You can't provoke him with your performance. But if you want the will of God, you've got to get your hands on the arena. church has doubled the last couple years. Well, Jordan, I still preach every holiness standard I've ever preached. Brother, what, there going to be people there that don't understand it. Honey, I can't afford to be lazy and not teach those people because if they go to hell, I've got to go to hell if I didn't try to reach them. You with me now? I've got to close. It was a third class. It's ironic that all this is burning in my spirit and I need to talk it on the way home today. It was a third class. I better never forget the arena. As I was putting this together, God began to give me this message even originally. When he did, something happened. You need to understand with me. My final task is to tell every backslider. Don't forget. Do you hear me? I don't care who's changing. Don't forget the arena. I don't care how good the talent is around you. If I was having somebody that wouldn't preach truth to me, I'd leave the greatest church. I'd walk away from anybody because as much as I love their structure, I love truth more. I love truth more. Then God began to speak to me, darling. God said, it is my will for there to be a revival of backsliders that come from the four corners back into our churches. I said, okay, God, where are they coming from? Who is it? I'm man enough to tell some of you there are some backsliders that will never come back to their proper position in God. Darling, there's others that did. They may have messed up their life, but they didn't mess up their doctrine. They still believe it. They may have stumbled along the way, but they didn't gamble their truth away. I got a call a few weeks ago, brother. ask you this. I said, well, who is this? And he told me the name, and the name meant absolutely nothing, Brother Kamada, to me. 
você não vota, será quem que vota? Você vai olhar e vai dizer assim, Everything in my world, Brother White, is falling apart. I said, well, you certainly are welcome to come to church wherever you backslid from. I'd like to advise you to go back to the church that you backslid from and try to make it right. And she said, that's just it. I can't do it. I said, why? She said, when I left there, They were still preaching against sin. When I left there, they were saying there's no other way to be saved and repenting and receiving the Holy Ghost, being baptized in Jesus' name. When I left there, the platform was clean. The leadership was clean. And then she told me where she'd come from. And she went and she said, Brother White, Don't even know what can happen to Hope Church. And her words, I walked a million miles away from my salvation, but I refused to walk away from the only message that can save me. I feel the heaviness of the Holy Ghost on this place right now. Stand with me all over the building. Preacher, preacher's wife, you've got a backslidden child. I've come with a word of hope for you today. You're coming back if you can stop dead from believing the lie. I want everybody in this building you've got a backslider in your family, a backslider that's walked away, a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, you've got one that's walked away, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make your way to this altar and tell God, I want my babies back. God, don't ever let them forget truth. I'm sorry this is not the way some of you expected me to end this message. And that's all right. I'm not here for your expectations. I'm here for the plan of God. And God wants to prepare every church represented here tonight to have a revival of backsliders again. The reading, I want backsliders that left that church after our revival 40 plus years ago. I want them to come back. Nobody's got to be lost. I want you to pray right now. Lift your hands up. Tell God, God, I, I can't stop them from drinking, but I'm begging you, God, don't let them walk away from the truth. I can't stop them from doing drugs, God. But I'm begging you, Jesus, don't let them slip away into false doctrine. They can make it. They can make it. They can make it. Pray, pray, pray.
Come on, if you're around somebody right now, somebody with a lost loved one, I'm begging you, don't let them forget the importance of doctrine. Don't let them forget. <laughs> Come on, guys. That's it, baby. Pray. Pray, baby. Pray, mama. Sure. Come on, darling. Pray. Hold on to it. Hey, daddy, don't you change. They're coming back someday. They're coming back someday, but they can't come back to something you changed. Pray!